All right. So we're in the book of Acts, and uh, we're on task with God, uh, preaching toward the vision that God has for our church for this year, the, the focus of our, of our sermons and our small group studies this, this year is going to be becoming a community that blesses. So we're working towards that by studying the book of Acts. God led us into that study because in the book of Acts, we find a community who is for the first time possessed by the Holy Spirit, if you will. They've received the Holy Spirit. They've repented. Uh, the disciples had an encounter with the Holy Spirit in the upper room that Jesus promised. The power of the Holy Spirit came on them, and visibly they saw the Holy Spirit descending on each one. Then, we, then Peter begins to preach, and people begin to hear in all their own languages the, the message of the gospel, and they respond. Holy Spirit drew the people. Holy Spirit convicted the hearts. Holy Spirit brought them to a place of repentance and baptism. And so the community is being formed in the beginning there. And then all the way through the book of Acts, we're, we're in chapter 6 right now. We've been seeing this really pure example of what it looks like to be a biblical community. Um, Matthew Henry talks about this in his commentary. He talks about the fact that here is the church in its infancy, but never more pure than what it is right now. I mean, literally, the church is just walking in the Holy Spirit. And so that's a great example for us because that's, that's who we are at the gathering place. We are desiring to walk in the Holy Spirit, just to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. You're going to kill that child, man. I'm just like, I'm over here thinking, what is that? You Get it out of them, though, man. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> you're just really beating that kid, too, man. I'm just, just saying. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, congratulations. Well, I just can't wait to hear what that burp's going to sound like, right? Uh, so we've been seeing the purity of this move of God. And uh, I just want us to really engage today, man. Our, what, we're in, what we've been encountering and experiencing is challenge after challenge. And thinking of one after another manifestation of our application of this text and this book for our body. We're just at the right place. You know, God... God put us here in this moment for this season. Uh, God's purpose is, is for us, and it's, it's not only is it, is it uh, meaningful and purposeful, this study, but it's also timely. Y'all with me? So we need to embrace the messages that we're getting and really begin to apply those things. I've been really challenged by the, the, uh, over the last week or so by the conference that we went to in Chicago and and helping us to make application to that. And boy, it comes up in the text today, not by accident. It's so sweet. You're going to see it. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to get to show you firsthand how the Lord is speaking to this idea of 20 or more people in this body that are willing to step across a line and take what's it, the intent of their heart and make it show up in your daily lives and show up on a consistent basis and with the kind of resolve that you'll never go back. Never go back to, to living life without abiding in Christ, blessing people, and committing to community in, in the ways that God would have us to do it. All right, so, man, key in. So today's, the issue is, uh, is, is we're going to face a first. 
uh, in the community in chapter 6. So far, man, we've just seen this pure move of God that's uniting everybody. And, and Satan's still working. We saw multiple cases where Satan tried to throw, his, throw in his influence, and he uses, uh, tries to, to get people to, to draw on their flesh, to make bad decisions, to break up the unity of the community. And so today we're going to talk about conflict because conflict uh, is going to arise. But we're going to talk about conflict resolution because it's going to be resolved quickly. And the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is involved, when the Holy Spirit is working in the midst of conflict and the people are submitting, like this church is, to the Holy Spirit's work in their lives, then conflict disappears. Because conflict is the result of two people standing on opposite sides of an issue and demanding to have their way, right? I mean, that's where conflict arises from. Not necessarily demanding to have their way. Let me just say that. They're, they're standing on opposite ends of an issue. That they, that they are, may, may have a lot of uh, commitment to, a lot of passion towards, or they may just have a little bit. So conflict can be minor, but... But conflict usually in churches, even the minor stuff becomes major, right? So why is that? Why is it that in churches, all of us grew up in those churches uh, and, and have experienced this in church. It's, it is the broken record, if you will, of churches, that, of evangelical churches, is this problem in the, in the church where conflict comes up and and so now you not only have First Baptist Church, now you have Second Baptist and Third Baptist and Fourth Baptist. I heard a joke about a guy one time was marooned on an island and was by himself and was rescued after a few years. And when they came in, he was showing them, you know, where he was living and, and showed them the, the a building. They said, what is that? I said, well, that's my church. Uh, he said, I, I have church, I, you know, I, come, I go to church every, every week to do that myself. And he said, and they came to another building and said, what's that? He said, that's, that's the second church. We had conflict in the first one, so I started this one. <laughs> if we're marooned on an island, we still have this issue, right? I mean, it just seems like it is the, it is the default mode of churches. They're just the people being together, living together, that we're going to have conflict. So, but how we handle that is to... Is, is to fly, is to take off, or to, or to fight and to stay in a fight. And so today we're going to see a different model. I think it's significant. I, I'm going to tell you all my experience. I was sitting here this morning thinking about this. I thought for a while that God was only going to call me to churches that had major issues. I thought it was just my call, was to, because I wasn't pastoring at the, early in my ministry. The guy was only calling me to churches to help a pastor to help the body overcome issues because I, I, had, I was a good listener. You know, I had a few skills in psychology and were able to help, and let's just resolve the issues, and it was that. But I thought that was going to be my ministry forever. So first church I ever served, huge problems in the church, rose up against the pastor. I stood in support of the pastor. Second church I ever supported or ever served. Oh, by the way, and the church was growing and moving and, and God was doing things in the body and then the conflict arises and then the conflict never was resolved. Second church, same issue. Pastor ended up being fired. Church split. Went to another church. That pastor had gone through a divorce where 
and the church had been dis- decided through the divorce they were going to keep him, but they were going to control him. Same issue. Conflict in the church. They resolved it, but they, they didn't really resolve it the way the Holy Spirit was leading them to. And it's, it, one after another after another, you know that, that this church was formed out of a church that dissolved because of conflict. I mean, over and over again, this has happened in my life. I see it all the time. Other th- this is the only church that I've ever been in where there's not been a group of people that had risen up and said, we're going to have our way and, and taken sides. And so we, we would sit as a church on opposite ends of, of an issue. It's never happened at the gathering place. We are together, united. But let me just say this. Of all the messages I've preached so far in the book of Acts, I think this is probably one of the most significant ones. I, I was thinking also this morning, you know, applying the, these issues of conflict resolution to marriages. I can't tell you how many times, you know, here's what we do. We feel like, you know, we, we have two couples getting married this week, right? We feel like we have, right, feel like we have invested in them in a way that if they will do what? We said, if they will take these things and, and put them into practice, they will have unity in their marriage. It doesn't mean conflict won't arise, but conflict can be resolved if you will follow those things that we talked about. The biblical principles are easy. Hard in the moment, but easy if, you, if your marriage will stay together if you follow those principles. So we do some preemptive work, right, to say, before you, before you start your marriage, here's some things Go ahead and start putting these things into practice and then use them when the moments arise. But then they don't. You know, we've had a number of couples that, we've put th- that we have uh, married that are not, no longer together because something rose up and one or both decided they were going to stay their course on their issues and divorce happened. And when we were singing this morning, you know, we sang the verse, Thy power and thine alone can melt a heart of stone. You know, that the power of the Holy Spirit is the only power that can melt a heart of stone in a a case of conflict. When conflict comes and we are resolved to walk in our way rather than in God's ways, then the only thing that will melt that heart of stone is going to be the Holy Spirit. And we've got to tap into that power. So we're not, this is no new message today. We're still talking about the acts of the Holy Spirit. And I love what the Holy Spirit does in this story. It's just seven verses. And very easy to, to, for us to, to, to see the, the principles that are applied here. But when we talk about this today, here's, here's my hope for us. This is premarital counseling, okay? This is the preemptive work. We're about to talk about something that I can promise you, every time I've ever been in a church or an organization that has exploded with growth in any way, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a congregation and they're walking in unity and, the, and, the, and the, the, uh, the community is being blessed by that congregation and, and they're coming to the Lord and they're coming into discipleship and they're hungering for God every time other than this church, every time Satan has been able to come in and cause conflict to happen and divide the church. Every time for me, other than this congregation, We need these principles. If we're going to be a community that blesses, we've got to learn how to do conflict resolution in a biblical way. 
part of being a biblical community means that we do conflict right. We're going to have conflict. It's going to come up. Some of you might be feeling some beginnings of conflict already because here's what's going to happen. Anytime a great move of God is, is being orchestrated by the Holy Spirit, anytime that happens, Satan notices and he rises up. And he's done it multiple times in the book of Acts, and he will do it again in today's message. He is consistent. He is relentless. He is going to work, work, work to kill the movement that God has planned for this body. Now, we've talked about him. We've studied him. We spent four weeks preparing for spiritual warfare, but, but I still think at times Satan puts our minds to sleep, and we think, oh, we got this. We do not got this. That's bad English, but it's good principles. We don't. We need to be prepared. And the only way that we're going to be prepared is we need to learn what to do, what the Holy Spirit would lead us to do in moments like this. So conflict resolution today. All right, y'all ready? Let's dive in and pull out six quick truths. Uh, quick, to, quick to present and a lifetime to walk out. Okay? Let's do it. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists or a murmuring by the Hellenists arose against the, the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected on daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. Yeah, y'all laughing, but y'all got to read these this week in life groups, so we'll see who reads. <laughs> these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests, <laughs> the priests, became obedient to the faith. This is going to be a unique message. So conflict resolution, let's talk about it. First of all, there's a problem that came up in this united community who was surrendered to the Holy Spirit, who all were following the Holy Spirit, even to the degree of selling their possessions and giving to each other as they had need. They didn't consider anything of theirs to be theirs alone, but they were doing life for the community, with the community, praying together, listening, following the, Holy, the, the apostles' teachings eating together, sharing food and prayer and fellowship together. Man, everything was working for them, and then Satan rises up. Conflict came. I think it just happened because, look, rapid growth like this, when rapid growth happens, you don't have time to organize sometimes, right? It just starts growing, and can you imagine thousands coming to the Lord in single days? 3,000 one time, 5,000 at another, people from all other, other towns coming in, and somebody's, there's no organization, right? 
And so it's nobody's fault. It's not intentional. The Holy Spirit's moving, and we as men and women don't understand how to handle that. So, so they didn't have time to organize. When, when growth happens, there's a probability of neglect of people. Right? Isn't that true? Bill, you, you've seen growth in the church. Look, when people start coming into the church, there's a probability of neglect just because growth, because you don't have time to organize. They were also so large that people were falling through the cracks. You know, I hate to see that happen, but I, uh, you know, I know that there are people that are falling through the cracks right now in this congregation. People, you know, we, we see a lot of visitors. You know, people come in and they check us out, check us out, check us out. And I think some of them never come back because we don't go check them out again. You know, they're falling through the cracks in some ways. But, uh, and so that, it happens. But also, the old way of doing religion didn't allow for growth. It didn't, it didn't plan for growth. Their old way of doing their church organization didn't allow for this kind of growth. They hadn't experienced any kind of growth like this. And so what would the Spirit do? We know that problems are going to arise in communities, even though we're surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I've already given testimony to that. And we are, as a church, doing our very best to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I say we're doing our very best. We understand what to do in our brains. And we're committed to it philosophically and conceptually. And hopefully at some point as a congregation we're going to walk in this. We know what to do. But problems still came. So growth brought the probability of neglect. Second thing in this story is Satan jumps on an opportunity to break up what the Spirit had created, this beautiful, Spirit-filled series of events that we've been talking about and celebrating in our life groups and talking about how, what, what that would look like in our community, in, our, in this congregation. And that also is beginning to, was touching and moving and drawing in people from the outside community. Satan jumps on the opportunity. A little history on the relationship of the Hellenist, Hellenistic Jews and the Aramaic Jews. There were some divisions and factions that were formed between these two, two groups because the, the, the Aramaic Jews were speaking the language of the homeland. All right, so even though they were all dispersed, those in the east were speaking the language, were still speaking the language, the Aramaic language, which was the language of their homeland. And so they considered themselves to be better than the Greek-speaking Jews. And so there was a division that came prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit, a faction that had been formed uh, between these two groups because one felt like they were better than the other. So conflict happened, right? Arguments over who's better. Wasn't of God, but it just happened. They were looking down on the Aramaic Jews because they weren't speaking the language of the homeland. So there was some history of problems and dissension prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's a circumstance that comes up. It arises, again, just because rapid growth brought it on. Nobody's doing this on, intentionally. But in the rush of growth and these spirit-filled events and the s- simplicity of just following the Holy Spirit, this unintentional neglect happened. Life got crazy, and then all of a sudden, oops, the widow, Hellenistic widows are not being taken care of. And so Satan totally tried to get something started. So he whispers in the ears of those who had been looked down upon in the days prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
And he speaks into their ears these lies that says they are doing this on purpose. Notice that the, the Aramaic Jews, uh, Aramaic uh, uh, widows are being taken care of, but yours are not. So just know this. Even in the point of a, when, a, when a spirit-filled community is surrendered to the Holy Spirit and, and growth happens and neglect happens as a result of growth, even in that kind of situation, Satan is not laying down. He's, he rears his ugly head. He's not going to allow any opportunity to pass for causing division in a congregation. That's why it's as much a part of the names of churches. Division is as much a part of the description as Baptist is in our denomination. You expect division. We expect splits rather than multiplication. Because we, that's what Satan does. He is not going to pass up an opportunity for causing division. All right, number three, the Holy Spirit led the apostles to do, to make immediate actions. He led them to take immediate action. They didn't wait around. Immediately, the, the Holy Spirit brought it to the attention of those who needed to take the action, and he gave them a way to take care of the problem. But he gave it to the elders, and we're going to bring this on a little more attention to the separation here of calling and responsibility, but not significance. Everybody hear that? There's a difference in calling uh, and, and uh, responsibility for the elders in there, for these apostles who are the elder, acting elders in this new church than there was for the people and the servants that would be called to serve the body. There's a difference in calling. But in this, in this instance... Just look at where the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is speaking to to take action. He's not speaking to the, the body of new believers. He's not even speaking to the rest of the 120 disciples that were in the upper room that had already walked with Jesus and had experiences with Jesus. He spoke to the apostles. They were called to, to serve in this role, so he calls them out, and he uh, makes them aware of it. But they take immediate action because they're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is giving them something to do, a way to take care of the problem. Now look, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to make decisions that go contrary to our feelings when we're in conflict with one another. When conflict arises within this group, the worst thing you can do is to gather around you a bunch of people and start talking about how you don't like something or how you disagree with something. The best thing you can do is bring it to the attention of the elders immediately because the elders can pray through uh, these issues and bring a quick, quick resolution as we pursue the Holy Spirit. Now, I've been in ministry for 38 years. I want to tell you I've never served with a group of elders that I'm more convinced will walk in what the Holy Spirit speaks, Period. You have seen it, and you will see more of it. We do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. We're not, we don't take our responsibility lightly. You have selected elders based on their integrity and their walk with God, and you've done well. And so we're going to have those decisions, and they're going to go against our feelings sometimes. We're going to feel like something's not right, and we need to learn to act on what the Holy Spirit leads us to do and let his power come in and melt our heart of stone that would hold on to, stone is a good word for it. These, the, this conflict and our determination to hold on to our view uh, 
uh, is, is set in stone for some of us. But the Holy Spirit will come in if we'll allow him to continue to work in the midst of conflict and melt away our resolve to go a direction that's not the direction of the Holy Spirit. He will do that work in us. He's faithful. Just don't walk in constant conflict and hold on and, and keep feeding that through your conversations with other people and getting more people involved in, in having your way and talking about having your way. All right, number four, the Holy Spirit activated the church and he expanded the leadership. Listen to the things that the apostles said. They said it would not be right for the apostles for us to leave eldership responsibilities to fulfill the responsibilities of deacons. Notice that the Holy Spirit, first of all, led them to invite the whole community to be a part of this decision. Acts, look at verse 2. And the twelve summoned what? The full number of disciples. The full number of the disciples. It was a desire of the Holy Spirit to involve the, all the disciples to come in and be a part of this conflict resolution. That's significant. And it's going to be more significant as we see how he unfolds this. But it's not the role of the disciples, of the apostles. They, they're not called to serve the widows of either the Aramaic Jews or the Hellenistic Jews. They, it's not their calling, and it would not be right in God's eyes for them to stop doing what God called them to do, to go and do the job of somebody else. They needed to give their attention to their own calling. I've said this so many times, but thank you, church, for allowing me to do what I'm called to do. Thank you for supporting us financially and allowing us to do what God's called us to do. So many pastors that I've served with, a lot of the conflict comes because people in the church expect them to do things they're not called to do, and the pastors, are, as elders, are not stepping up, and they don't have any support behind them to step up and say, this is not what we're called to do. And, and should we give up what God's called us to do in order to go do something else? That, wouldn't that be a horrible example for you as a, as a congregation if I, if I did that? If I said, I'm going to give up what God's called me to go do and go do something else. That would be a horrible example for you. And that's not submission to the Holy Spirit. And that's, what, that's what they were feeling, that pressure of, man, something needs to happen. Holy Spirit, tell us what to do. Okay, so the Holy Spirit reveals to them, I've called you to preach. I've called you to, to share the gospel, to, to, to move the gospel into, into communities and people's lives. I, I'm going to use you to do that. That's your calling. Stay on it. And, man, I just appreciate that I can do that. I don't have to do all this other stuff that churches respond, uh, expect their pastors to do. I can focus on what God's called me to do. That doesn't mean there's not times that I step out of that, that God doesn't call me sometimes to mow the grass or put in flooring. or you know, Sometimes God allows me to do that, and it's a blessing when he does. But I'm not going to sacrifice the call of God on my life to do those things. And we need to hold true to that. And then verse 3, look at what he says. It was the desire of the Holy Spirit that the church select these people. He says, therefore, brothers, pick out from among, your, you, among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of, of, of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. The Holy Spirit gives the church here the ownership of the decision. It is very important that the people 
choose the people that would serve in this role. So the apostles are involving the community. The Holy Spirit, in this case, is expanding the church leadership. Y'all see it? He is staying the course for the, the apostles of their ministry and what he's called them to do. He's reaffirming them in that call, and then he's expanding the leadership. And he wants them to be chosen from among the people. I think that's wisdom. When we chose our elders... Uh, this last time, and we'll be doing that again probably before the year's up, appointing some other elders. But when we appoint elders in this church, that is a congregational thing. That's why we spent all the time that we spent studying what eldership is, studying the qualifications of elders, looking at in detail as a congregation. That's tedious work, and we've done it more than one time in this church, but we do it because we want everybody to know how significant this is. But ultimately, we want you to say, These are people that we see, that we respect. Look at the the qualifications that he says. It was very important that the people that were chosen would be of good reputation. In other words, that the people would, what is reputation? Reputation is not one man's uh, feeling about another man. Reputation is what a people think about a person. What's the word on the street? about this person? What's the background information? What's the dirt that you can dig up on this person? And so, so the disciples are saying, choose from among yourselves some people that have no dirt to dig up. Some people that have a great reputation, that their lives are lived in such a way that it's obvious that they possess two main characteristics. And look at them again. Number one, they are filled with the Spirit. Okay, there's nothing new going on here. Choose from among your, yourselves men who are not struggling with this idea of, am I going to follow the Spirit? Am I not going to follow the Spirit? Is this going to be something I'm willing to do? When the Spirit tells them to do something, man, they're on it. Like Stephen, who we're going to see next week, is willing to follow all the way to death and be stoned to death and preach while he's being stoned to death. I'm, I'm men with reputations that are, uh, that are they're going, going after God. Not perfect men. If, if it was perfect men, you would have no elders here. But it's significant that you choose some men. Why is that? Because here's the problem. If they would have chose somebody that wasn't with a good reputation, full of the Spirit and full of wisdom, they would have chosen somebody on their side. That means that Hellenistic Jews would have said, well, how about this guy? And then the, the, the uh, Aramaic Jews would have said, nah, how about this guy? Right? And then they would raise people up on their side of the conflict. Instead, he just says, get some men of good reputation with both sects. Get some men that have a good reputation with everybody and in the community that when you when they when they make when they that they're going to take care of these people, and there's no doubt. And so he's he's they're dealing the Holy Spirit is dealing with future conflict by making sure that the people choose these. Let me just say this. This was not a subordinate responsibility. I'm saying it again because here's what I feel like some of you think at times. That my responsibility as pastor of the church, as preaching and teaching pastor, pastor of vision, that my responsibility is more significant than yours. It is not. Matter of fact, in, in, in many ways, this call 
of these people that he's pulling out right now to serve these widows is more important than what I do. I mean, I know we're all, we share equal significance, but if you want to look at it according to what Jesus did in his life, this, this serving responsibility is what he defined his life by. Look in Luke chapter 22, verse 24 to 27. Disciples were arguing about who's going to be the greatest, and look at what Jesus says. Verse 24, a dispute also arose among them. Here's a dispute, okay? Here's the conflict. As to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Look, there is no, don't, don't think of a, a responsibility in the body, of taking responsibility that the Holy Spirit leads you to do is in any way subordinate or less than my call or the call of the elders in the church. Our commitment at the gathering place is to follow the Holy Spirit in how we handle ministry needs. When, when needs arise, we want to handle it the way the Holy Spirit leads us to handle it. We don't talk uh, people into doing jobs here. You know that. I'm not going to, to pressure you, uh, push you into doing something that you don't feel called to do. Because I wouldn't want you pushing me and, call, and pressuring me into doing something I'm not called to do. It's not biblical. The way we handle problems and needs that arise in the congregation this is a spiritual, uh, foundational thought for us, so get it. This is the big truth of what we're reading here. And it, and it stops conflict from happening is when everyone is doing what they're called to do. So when we have weakness in our children's ministry, uh, in the sense of a need for more people, we're not going to say, well, if you have kids, you, ought, you, you, know, you need to do your term. No, we're not going to say that. That's logical, but it's not biblical. We're going to say, ask the Holy Spirit if you should serve this way. We've we got a need right now for, uh, for someone to take over our finances, to do our financial, to do our books. We're not going to pressure somebody into doing it. We're not going to force you, or you, got, you know, seem to have some experience in this, so you're in. No, it needs to be a call. We need to be a church that follows the Holy Spirit. When needs arise, we don't step outside of that. We step inside of that. We ask, we announce the, the need, and we ask the Holy Spirit to take over. Y'all with me? That's why we do what we do here in that way. So the disciples are being faithful to let the, the Holy Spirit activate the church and expand the leadership. And I believe the Lord wants to do that here. This is the part that's really cool to me. As I announced last week, prior to pre preparing for this message, without this message, I was, thought I was going to be preaching on Stephen this week. Didn't realize there was going to be enough content in this passage that didn't even read it, honestly. Man, this is the, this is the word for our church right now. We need, we need, God needs, God wants. The Holy Spirit's prompting this. So you ask the question, are you one that needs to get past just the 
informational side of abiding, blessing people, and committing to community, and get, and is there a resolve in your heart that the Holy Spirit's put there to say, I want to do everything necessary to rise up and be one of those people who has his or her own stories to tell about how God spoke and how I followed what he said, and he revealed this about himself to me through his activity over and over again, week to week. Or do you still drawing from old stories? Or maybe you don't have any stories, and you've been with us for 10 years. It's time. This is the call of our church. Leadership in this body right now needs to rise up. Follow what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do, and let's, let's work it out, and I'm willing to, and feel very good about spending as much time as necessary. If 40 people will rise up, I'll spend a 40-hour week doing that and trust the Lord for sermons on Sunday. But I feel like it's that significant for us, right? This is my calling right now, is to take this vision that God's given me as your pastor and to press it in to your life. Let's work it out. If you've been struggling and you've made your commitment and you've, uh, you abide in Christ sometimes and then you get off a tune for a while and, and then all of a sudden you're, you're way off base and you're tired of that, I want to help you stop that. I have stories of failure after failure after failure to tell you from my life and things, and I have warnings to give you about stuff that's coming as you try to flesh this out. So let's do that. There's 10 people so far that have come to me and said, yes, I feel called definitely to do this. I'm, I'm asking God for more, and we will work it out, whatever we got to do. This may be a hard year of work for me, but I'm, look, there's nothing more valuable. It, it just hits me every time I think about it that we've been talking about this. This is our call. It's our mission. It's everything that's foundational about who we are, and yet that's not where the work is going. The work is going into Sunday morning and, you know, there's Sunday morning sermons and Wednesday nights and, you know, I mean, activities. And the work needs to go into abiding, blessing, and committing to community. God showed us last year that we can't do it unless something changes. But we heard this morning that there's a power that can melt a heart of stone. And that power is moving and working in our church. And the Holy Spirit wants to melt hearts of stone and, and tell the truth against the lies of Satan that keep telling you you're not good enough or you're not important enough or you can't do this, or you've tried over and over again, and you're a failure, and you'll never find success. You will find success. There's only one way to find it. It's in following the Holy Spirit. So the needs are arising in this body, and I, I call you out to pray and seek the Lord about whether you're supposed to be this. You might even be a member of our church, but you've been coming faithfully. You've been, you've been feeling the call of God, and God may be speaking to you right now. Don't rule yourself out no matter what. Come, be a part of what the Lord is doing here if, if the Holy Spirit says come. So Satan's trying in this story. And when you look at the whole story here, uh, man, he's trying desperately to kill what God is doing to stop the Holy Spirit's movement, but obviously he can't. But look at the results. I love this. It says that the Spirit-filled body was all tuned to the Holy Spirit and they had a surprising new experience. They didn't pick sides and argue about it. They didn't delegate the work to the pastors. They didn't delegate the work to people that didn't want to do it, didn't feel called to do it, didn't really have a passion for it. 
The Spirit gave them a great solution. And through their obedience came joy. When you look at the whole story, the Holy Spirit is doing a great work. His people are united and submitted to him. Satan tries to open up an old wound. And under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they went from murmuring at the beginning of the story to pleased at the end of the story. Look at verse 7. The word of God, could, oh, I'm sorry, that's not verse 7. What is it? Anyway, it said that this pleased the people. Where is that? Find it for me. Verse 5, thank you. And what they said pleased who? The whole gathering. The whole gathering. The Hellenistic Jews were pleased. The, the uh, Aramaic Jews were pleased. The whole gathering of disciples all these new believers, all the people that, that could have, would have, should have been in opposition to one another and started another church, they're all pleased with, the same, with, with this solution. Why? Ask yourself the question, why is it that they were pleased with the solution? Here's the answer. The Holy Spirit gave it to them. This is another miracle. It would be a miracle for a church, and it has been a miracle for our church that we've experienced the unity that we've experienced because when conflict comes, we pray. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit guides us, takes us out of the conflict. And if we haven't been acting that way behind the scenes, we need to. But the Holy Spirit did this work, and now the people are pleased. They went from murmuring to pleased. They went from disappointed or disgruntled or disagreeing to unity again. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit takes control of a group of people who are resolved to handle conflict resolution by his plan. His plan is not going to be the plan that the world would have, and it's not going to be an easy plan. It's not going to go against your feelings, and you're, going to, you're not going to be always desired to do it, but once you do it, and you follow what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, you're going to be pleased. I mean, I've experienced it in my, in my marriage. Y'all know the stories of our marriage early on, tough situations, a lot of conflict, because both of us wanted our way in everything, everything, everything. And when God got a hold of me and told me, and the Holy Spirit said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to give all the time and never expect anything in return. That did not sound like a good plan. That sounded like I'm fixing to get taken advantage of. But what, let me tell you the truth. Both sides of that conflict for the last 29 years are pleased. Man, we are living in constant pleasure. Don't take that too far. We love each other, man. Our marriage is so awesome. It, you know, you guys know it. You see it. And the result is that's what the, the result came, not because I'm smart, not because I got it all together, not because we compromised and said, hey, I'll give here, you give here. It's because the Holy Spirit got a hold of me in that case and said, here's I want you to give all the time. And as crazy as it sounded, I trusted the Holy Spirit, walked in it, and my marriage is great, and I'm pleased. I love the way we do marriage. So there's a blessing on the other side of conflict when we obey what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. All right, last thing. We always got to close with this. The community's blessed again. All right, the Holy Spirit takes control, and in this conflict resolution, 
we see the blessing of the community. So when we're talking about being a community that blesses, first of all, a biblical community handles conflict in, these, in this way. They follow the Holy Spirit. They, the elders uh, do what they're supposed to do in the conflict, and, the, and they follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and the body comes together and, does what, and, and let, allows the Holy Spirit to lead, to take away desires for selfishness and all the things that they were experiencing, and then the community notices. Look what happens in verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is a whole nother level of blessing. There's some things in this encounter that we've never seen before. First of all, it never talks about the fact that the word of God increased. Now the word of God increases. People are saying what those apostles are saying is what we all want to hear now. People in the community are saying, they're saying the right stuff. When the conflict comes up and people are watching and they're probably all thinking, oh, this is going to be a good one, right? They're all hearing the murmurers behind the scenes. This is going to be good. Let's see what the apostles do about this. And the apostles taught them a biblical truth. They taught the word of God literally. The Holy Spirit gave them exactly what to say, and, it, and the resolution happened, and the people were united again. Then the people in the town were saying, man, we got to be a part of that. And we want to know more of the word. They were committing themselves to the word of the Lord. But also the numbers of disciples multiplied again. We got to be a part of that community. They're drawn into the community. But the big one is at the end. Those that had been committed only to the law and the fulfillment of the, of the Mosaic law and the Old Testament way of doing things, who were writing off what the disciples were teaching, the apostles were teaching, I love the way it describes this, that many priests, this is a new first for us, priests in the old way, priests of the preachers of the old way, the priests who were keeping the law and protecting the law and persecuting those who weren't following the law, who were against them, the priests, not just became believers, but they became obedient to the faith. That's significant. They didn't become more obedient to the law. They became obedient to the faith. They got it. It's faith in a living God. It's, it's, it's faith in Jesus who was crucified, as they said, and rose from the dead. It's faith. They believe it now. And they're, they're, they believe in the Holy Spirit. And now they are experiencing the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't say a couple of them. It says many of the priests. All these Levites are now coming to Christ and, and putting their faith in him and becoming teachers for him instead of teachers for, of the law. That's huge. Okay, man, I long for the day. Long for the day. We're going to face opposition, continue to face opposition in minor ways. We don't have any kind of persecution, obviously. But people are going to oppose what we're about because we're not about what everybody else is about. You're going to face that. But there's going to be a day. We stay connected for a reason. There's going to be a day. I believe this. If we will walk with God and become this community that blesses, that part of the group that's going to be blessed is going to be the Bill McCullens out there who are pastors of, of those churches who are teaching the old way, whose hearts are going to get on fire for God and is going to understand the grace of God and be changed and be willing to be a pest control engineer 
and a janitor for our church in order to be a part of a body of people that are willing to walk in the Spirit. Y'all with me? Man, there's going to be a day when that's going to happen. There's going to be a day when pastors are going to want to be a part of this movement. There's going to be a day when they're going to see the reality of what's going on. If we will be that community that blesses, but we can't let division come in this body because people are watching and hoping for that. They're hoping that our body's going to be divided and that it's all going to fall apart, and then they can say, see, we knew it. So we need to be ready, church. That's why this is so important. We got to buy in. We got to understand the significance of handling conflict the right way. So let me say in a, in a very practical way, the elders are always available. You will not find resistance from the elders of this body. If you come with any kind of conflict or any kind of, uh, you're disgruntled in any way, or you got some kind of something brewing inside of you, talk it out. Don't hold it in. And don't talk it out with your neighbor or with your life group. Talk it out with the elders. Let's work through those conflicts together because we will pray and seek the Lord and we will have a resolution. And when we're done, we're going to all be together. We're going to be unified. You know why? Not because your elders are great people. It's because the Holy Spirit's in control. And we're determined to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership. You're going to be happy with the resolution. And that, but you're going to have to realize, guys, look, all of us have this. Even the elders, we all have this. This desire, this flesh in us that loves conflict. We want to pick a side. And we want to talk about people. We want to slander people and and, and we want to uh, gossip about people. And, and we want to talk about what, everybody that has all these things wrong with them rather than unify, letting the Holy Spirit guide us in what we do and how we handle conflict. Right? Am I right? We all have it. We're not denying that that's in us. That's a sinful nature. Uh, not our nature, but it's in our flesh. Right? right? We have a new nature. But it's in our flesh, and our flesh still desires that. But let's break away from that. And let's, let's walk with the Holy Spirit in times of conflict. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, you've given us some incredible wisdom today through your word. And I, I just pray, Lord, that you will help us to walk it out. It's, it's easy to talk about on Sunday, but it's tomorrow at this very time. We're going to be living a life. And... And we're going to need to learn how to handle conflict. It's not just conflict within the community, but also conflict without the community. God, when we're out there by ourselves and we're representing you, and we're, we're working with people who are hard to work with, and we're at home, and we're dealing with our, our spouses, and we're dealing with internal conflict, and the voice is speaking to us and telling us to fight. Yeah, we, we need you to teach us how to walk in this. Thank you for preparing us. God, may me be a church that honors you in conflict resolution. Lord, we worship you and thank you that you are with us and in us. And we close out today, God, just by, by praising you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.